Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Jessica. I'm your host of this podcast, The Spanning Chronicles, Living with a Vestibular Disorder. This podcast is just me sharing my journey with a vestibular disorder and how I have been able to heal. I also share healthcare knowledge in regards of all the vestibular disorders out there. And I also invite my listeners to be part of my podcast, to share their experience so we can all shed some hope and give some light to everybody out there who is suffering with a vestibular disorder. So I hope everybody who is new enjoy this podcast and those who have been listening to me for a while, welcome back. So let's get to it. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Jessica, and welcome to another episode of The Spinning Chronicles, Living with a Vestibular Disorder. Today, we have Melina. Melina, um, she used to suffer from BPPV. Um, In my last episode, I start talking about what is BPPV, signs, symptoms, treatment, and all that. And those who have been hearing about this, uh, my podcast in the past, know that I like to interview people who have healed, who are still suffering, or are still recovering from BPPV. And I found Melina on Instagram. And the funny thing is that how I found her was through the hashtags BPPV. And what attracted me to contact Melina was that I saw a video of her coming out of swimming. I think she's a triathlete, by the way. Kudos to that because I hate running. I hate anything that has to do with cardio, swimming, or anything. Um, And she comes out of the water walking sideways. So that was like, oh, my God, how is she even doing this? So I, I contacted her to see if she was interested, and she was nice enough to say, yeah, that she was interested. So hi, Melina. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks very much for the uh, welcome and the invite to, um, to have a chat today. You're welcome. And those uh, Melina's from Dubai, so she's eight hours ahead, which I was like, oh, my God. We were <laughs> trying to schedule this because I didn't know the time difference. So <laughs> she's eight hours ahead. To, yeah. from 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 us because i'm in the states so mm-hmm. wonder if dubai must be beautiful i've seen those pictures uh it, it's it is beautiful it's extremely hot right now though so we're entering <laughs> summer so it's our it's our indoor phase got it got it so melina um are you can you yeah. tell a little bit about yourself how um who you are how did you get into um triathlete and all that stuff to the listeners here um, yeah, um, well, I'm a, I'm a soon-to-be 42-year-old um, mom of three young girls, um, uh, married, living in Dubai for it's almost now, um, originally from a small island called Cyprus, um, and yeah, I've been kind of, I've been involved in sport all my life. I had a big break from sport for about 16 years to have children and study and, you know, life kind of took over. And then I started again when I was 36 uh, doing long distance triathlons. Um, Yeah. And yeah, for the last five years, triathlon has pretty much been my life outside of outside of family and stuff. Um, Yeah. So I'm now I'm still taking part and um, I'm now also coaching um, other athletes here um, yeah that's pretty much so about that... me I think <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, and that hashtag BPPV I saw and we spoke before that you said that you don't have no symptoms anymore um, yeah. which is great 
but it's still good to know um, how long were you battling with BPPV before you, ha you became symptom free? Um, probably about nine, nine months. Um, I, I didn't have any issues, any vestibular issues. Um, most of my life, no, never had any issues like that. Um, unfortunately, uh, May last year, I contracted COVID. Um, my case was mild. I didn't need the hospital. It didn't affect my lungs as far as we were concerned at the time. Um, I just had a fever for a few days. Uh, fatigue was pretty extreme. But within the two-week normal period, I tested negative and all the initial symptoms subsided. Um, but then whilst I was finally free to leave the house... <laughs> Um, other issues started uh, started cropping up. The fatigue just wouldn't go away. Um, I started to develop breathing problems, and despite having no breathing issues during COVID, I now have asthma, which um, is still lingering. Um, I had persistent headaches um, and BPP. Oh, BBPV <laughs> was sorry. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, was um yeah was also one of the um i guess my long covid symptoms um so i couldn't i couldn't stand for long periods of time uh any sudden movements like um my my 7 year old asked me to tie her shoelaces one day so i didn't i didn't kneel i sort of i bent over sort of you know hinged from the mm -hmm. hips to do her shoes um it was like yeah, I can't do this. Everything is spinning and trying to stand back up. Um, so driving was um, a little bit problematic to begin with as well. Um, it wasn't so much the issue of driving itself, but obviously turning my head left and right suddenly um, was a problem. And I was, I was remember, I remember the first days it was quite intense and it usually followed it usually followed a headache. So I knew if a headache would come on, it um, as soon as that has started to go, I knew dizziness was about to come. Uh, so we used to be out and about with the kids and I could feel a headache coming on and I'd be like, right, get in the car, we're going home because I've got a very short window <laughs> to get us yeah. home um, before I knew um, that that would kick in. And initially we thought... Um, we couldn't quite figure out which way it was, was the, the head where the headaches bring in on the dizziness or the other way around. So there was a few theories that the, like I went to see a neurologist and there was a few theories that they put forward and they initially thought maybe the headaches were as a, a result of kind of my, my brain trying to keep me steady type thing. Um, and then eventually when that would kind of go, would really kick in. Uh, but we never really got to the, if I'm honest, we never really got to the bottom of why it all, it all happened. I had a, a brain MRI amongst the many tests I had done and it came back clear, which was very, it was a big relief. Um, but it was also really frustrating because you kind of sat there speaking to this, this specialist neurologist and they're like saying, oh, your yeah, MRI is really clear. And you're like, okay, that's great news, but can you now explain why I'm having the symptoms I'm having? And then they, they couldn't quite really give you an answer. I was happy that the results were clear, but at the same time, it was 
quite frustrating as well. Got it. Yes, it, it is kind of frustrating. Um, normally, I always tell people, you always remember what you were doing before you were going through a traumatic event. Um, yeah. what, what was the first initial, um, let's say, bout of vertigo um, that you had? Because I know you said you had COVID and then you were two weeks home and then yeah. the vertigo came about. Like, um, what was the first symptom that you had? What was the first symptom that you had, like the room opening? It was, yeah, it's just everything. Um, if I lay down, and this was, I, I couldn't, like, couldn't get my head down. I would lay down to try and just kind of relax and study myself and everything, and it made things worse. Um, so it also meant, I, if I, going to sleep at night, if I lay flat, it just, it, that was just a no-go. As soon as my head hit the pillow, if I was completely flat on the bed, as I would normally, it wasn't that the room was spinning. It actually felt that, it, it genuinely felt that it was my head that was spinning. Um, okay. So the, the room was kind of steady almost, but my I could, it, it felt like it was actually my head that was moving. It's not that the the room around me was. And it was really weird because you'd be like, I just need to lay everywhere. You know, the no usual advice when you're not feeling well is just have a lie down. And you're like, no, no, that will make it worse. <laughs> um, so I had to try and learn to kind of sleep at a little bit of an incline, which meant my sleep wasn't great. And obviously, you know, lack of sleep just kind of makes things worse anyway. So it, it felt like a bit of a vicious circle. Got it. And um, so you had your symptoms. How long did you wait until you went to see, let's say, the neurologist? Because you said that's the only doctor you saw for this. Oh, no, I saw it. <laughs> no. Um, so I um, I was keen to get back into sport. Um, obviously, we were kind of coming out. We had a really strict lockdown in Dubai um, where we, we had to apply for police permit to leave the house once every three days and... Um, so it was a very strict lockdown and we were coming out of that. So the pools, the pools had finally opened up and, um, and that's my favorite, my favorite sport. So I kind of wanted to jump back in, but I just didn't feel right. And I had a friend who, a triathlete friend whose husband is an ER doctor. And he just sent me this, like, um, um, what's it called? Like an infographic of mm -hmm. how do you the protocol to return to sport and it basically said you need to have these tests done and um you know get checked out before you put your body under any stress um so it kind of is a sports doctor specializes in sports medicine so i went to see her and then um yeah i started working with her closely and she was the one that referred me to the neurologist for the for the headaches and um and the dizziness um, and did, did you do any like vestibular rehab therapy? Because I saw in that video that your balance was off. Um, yeah, they... um, we did. I did see, I pretty much tried everything going, to be honest. Um, I went to physio for a while and we tried um, dry needling. Um, I saw an, a, an osteopath for quite a few months. So we did uh, vestibular treatment where I had to like... Um, I had these stickers on my wall, um, these like um, post-it notes that I put on my wall um, and I had to f literally try and 
not move my head, but my eyes had to go from one point to the next. Um, and then gradually we kind of increased the difficulty by going diagonal. And then I had to try and do it on one leg. And then I had to do it while sitting on a Swiss ball, like a gym ball, and then try and bounce on the gym ball. And like all these things that initially was like simple things. And you're like, no, no, yeah. sitting, on, sitting on the gym ball. And I can't sit bounce. That's one step too far. Just lots of little things like that. Um, so I was trying, I guess, the more traditional medicine. And I was also looking to alternatives. I wasn't finding, like the progress was a bit slow. And it was just really frustrating to go from, you know, like, I, you know, three weeks before I got COVID, I ran a marathon and now I can't, I can't barely, I can barely stand up and cook my kids dinner, you know? So it was a, it was a massive change and I was getting quite frustrated. So I was quite happy to try anything, yeah. everything. Yeah, it, it does take a toll because I'm, I used to be an athlete too. I used to be a weightlifter yeah. for the longest oh, wow. time. So, wow. uh so my gym, the, going to the gym for me is like a stress reliever. So I understand how hard it is that you, especially as an athlete, you know how to train and do all these things and you see the progress of you getting better yeah. at the sport that you're doing. But with this, this is so slow. It's yeah. like, like you said, simple things like sitting on that Swiss ball, bouncing. It's like, oh my God, this is, this Much, is yeah. crazy. <laughs> like I remember, I remember my first, ther- my first physiotherapy session. Um, it was just throwing a ball with a lot of dots. Yeah. It was like a red it was like a red ball and every dot had like different colors. So I had to throw it in this trampoline and grab it with my hand, but at the same time move my head. Wow. Ten, ten, ten repetitions only. <laughs> and I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, I can't yeah. do this. I, I had to cover my eyes and sit down. I almost threw up and everything. It was so, so bad. Yeah. And it is, it is frustrating, especially when you're a parent. So um, you have how many kids do you have? Uh, three, three girls. Three girls? Yeah. Um, and how did you see, um, how did it affect your kids? Because I saw it, how it affected my, my five-year-old at the moment. Because um, that's um, the whole thing. It was, it was an interest, but well, interesting is probably an understatement. Um, obviously, so I, I got COVID first. Um, I had to isolate in the bedroom and like we would talk, I'd see the kids, they'd be on their balcony and I'd come out on my balcony to talk to them. Um, you know, the whole people dropping us food and stuff by the house, but nobody can come in and all that stuff. So that was a little bit stressful and traumatic in itself. Um, but it was a lot with they didn't really say much but it was little things they kind of said and did um you know I used to be I mean I've done full iron distance triathlons and I've been known to go out train for like six or seven hours and come home give them breakfast and take them to a water park for the rest of the day (laughs) um and suddenly mummy's on the couch most of the time um you know dinner is whatever we can order and have delivered because mm-hmm. I can't I can't stand for too long um so I used to get lots of questions along the lines of mommy are you tired again and why are you so tired and and you, you try you know, on one hand it's like it's the last thing you want to hear because you're dealing with it yourself but then so are they but I remember my eldest so we um 
we carpool. So I take them to school. I carpool with a friend and neighbor. Uh, and it was my turn to pick them up from school one day. Um, and it just so happened that the person that helps me out with carpooling was near. He sent me a message and he said, look, I'm here. I may as well pick him up. So I I was supposed to pick him up and I wasn't there. And literally, as soon as school was out, my phone rang and it was my eldest daughter. And she was like, why aren't you, why aren't you here? What's wrong? And I was like, I said, nothing wrong. Nothing's wrong. He happened to be out and about. So it saved me a trip. She was like, no, no, what's wrong? Why aren't you here? I was like, I'm fine. She said, fine. <laughs> so she then hangs up the phone to me and my husband, who was working from home at the time, I heard him. She rang him immediately. And I heard my husband say, mommy's fine. Like, you know, he was out and he happened to be near the school. So he's just saving mommy a trip. Um, and literally, like, she burst through the doors um, when he dropped them off. I I was on the couch at the time and she was like, what's wrong? Why, why, why didn't you pick us up? Are you not feeling well? And you just and at that point, you're like, oh, dear, I need to I really need to get this under control. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty, you know, it, we kind of went from mommy being the one that trains a lot and always does stuff to I kind of had to pick with right we're either going to go for a walk and get some ice cream or (laughs) mommy you know we're going to sit and watch a movie so I always had to it felt like I had to pick and choose what I was going to do like um, my doctor initially allowed me to start going for walks during the day and we had a limit to how long I could walk for and what heart rate I should keep but it, there were days where it was like, well, I'm either going to go and do my walk, which for me was my f- this first step back to getting back to sport, or I'm not going to do the walk so I can cook dinner for the kids and spend time with the kids. And it's like, um, not to sound like a terrible mother, but it was like, <laughs> it's a really hard decision. <laughs> and it's like, I just want to do this for me. But then, you know, then things like that would happen with the kids. And you're like, no, I need to do something for the kids. So returning to sport took even longer as a result because I wasn't as consistent as I'd like to be um so yeah that's funny yeah uh, my son at the time he was let me see that was he's he's gonna be six now so he was about to, he was he just turned five. Oh, wow um <laughs> and he um will ask me like mommy are you okay you sick and he will bring me like a wet towel and all oh, that stuff yes. and like yeah, so it was it was really strong, and my husband was there. Like, oh, leave mommy alone. Mommy's not feeling well. And um, when I was feeling okay, we will go to the park, and then we were like, uh oh, we have to go. And yeah. he will look at me like, hunt, like we have to go, Bobby. And he goes, mm. are you feeling sick, mommy? I'm like, yeah. And then he will yeah. we will walk really yeah. fast back home <laughs> from the park. So it, it takes a toll in your kids yeah. because the kids, especially, they don't understand what's going on, especially if they're little. The yeah. bigger they are, the they can have an idea, but but it's hard. Um, yeah. So so how long did you have your symptoms for before you felt any any type of quote unquote normalcy? Because this these things last for a long time. Um, I uh, I think it was probably nine nine months or so. Um, I started to. Um, I was able to start doing some stuff gradually with the the vestibular treatment. I managed to start swimming without a snorkel. Start moving my head to night and um, and kind of swim normally, so to speak. 
um, I wasn't able to ride my bike. Like I, I actually remember it was my birthday and I was like, no, I am going to go and ride my bike. And that was a pretty <laughs> stupid thing because I almost came off the bike. Uh, didn't have any balance. Um, uh, so then we um, we made the decision as I start as it started to subside a little bit. So I was having slightly longer windows of um, feeling okay during the day. Um, so I decided to try to get on my mountain bike. That's a heavier bike. Um, so it's a lot better for balance. Um, whereas my road bike and my triathlon bike, um, not, not so much. So I started to do that and just literally just to go around the neighborhood. But my limit was probably about maybe 20 minutes or so to begin with. Uh, and then I would have to allow myself the time to sit down and try and gather myself again before I had to do anything else. Um, so it was, yeah, it was in some ways it was getting better. So, like I said, I was able to swim and by so May I got COVID by October, I was swimming almost properly and doing, you know, like 45 minute sessions. Um, oh, wow. But, but the cycling and the, the cycling and the running, just wasn't really it wasn't really coming along um at all um which was a a source of great like I prefer swimming to the to the other two but suddenly suddenly you know it gets taken away from you and you're like I just want to go for a run I just want to get on my bike um so yeah um I entered a couple of uh triathlons in as a relay um so I did the swim leg and uh, other friends did too, but um, I, I remember basically attracting the attention of officials <laughs> um, every time I came out of the water because <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> stand up and walk in a straight line. And then they're like, are you okay? And it's like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. Just give me, just let me sit down. They're going to DQ us and they're going to pull us out of the race. <laughs> um, but... I know getting better but um i think it was really it was january before i felt better i uh i went to like i was i went to see my doctor again after i think about six months um and it, it was getting better but just at a at a frustratingly slow pace and i was still not able to ride my bike or anything like that so we decided to try and work with the symptoms rather than you know not work, like just try and deal with them rather than just mm -hmm. focusing on figuring out exactly what was wrong because like, like i said and this was generally the con the test clear and normal but my body isn't functioning like if one more person tells me my tests are clear and there's nothing wrong with me, like I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm, my head's gonna explode because clearly it's, it's not. Um, so we decided to try and treat the symptoms. So um, we tried some medication, um, uh, and I think, I mean, the, the, I think it was called Better Circ. The name might differ from one country to another. Um, and it did, it helped mask the symptoms a little bit. Um, but you could, once it was wearing off, you, it was almost coming back with a vengeance, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Um, so it was a temp. It was a temporary fix, and it it still meant, um, you know, riding was an issue, and um, you know, and running was still a problem. Um, so we kind of started with that. I carried on with the vestibular treatment. Um, the neurologist, I kind of didn't really go back for follow- for too many follow ups because. I just, I didn't find I was getting anywhere uh, with it. Um, so I kind of stayed with my sports doctor and the osteopath and, and the physio. So we did dry needling a few times. Um, and then I decided um, it would have been just before Christmas. No, or end of November, around about then. And there was a women, there's a women's triathlon uh, that happens every year. And um um, I kind of work a lot with with women in sport, and I'm like an ambassador for triathlon here for women. So it's a race that's quite close to my heart. So I was adamant I wanted to do it. Um, so my doctor, we kind of made the decision that as I could enter it on my mountain bike, um, and obviously only the shortest distance possible. I was not to even attempt any any other distance, um, which I did. It was quite an interesting experience because um, I'm I'm generally upfront at events, <laughs> um, so to suddenly just find yourself, you know, I was there just to take part and to try and finish, but deep down there's no matter how much you kind of rationalize that in your head you're standing on that start line and you just think oh the little part of you just wants to race and you're like no I'm not going to do this um so I kind of did that race I came out of the water and I couldn't walk in a straight line uh and all I was I was trying to get to my bike to do was avoid eye contact with the paramedics because I was like, they're going to they're gonna pull me off the course. And rightfully so, they're going to pull me off the course. But I'm just going to avoid them. And so I was trying as much as possible. I couldn't run. So I just walked. Um, I got to the back. I took my time getting ready. Um, and I managed to kind of stumble and finish. But at that race, I met this lady. And she would commented on how I was. And we sat having a chat. And... Um, and she said she struggled with BPPV, really bad case of the flu years ago. Um, I think she said it must have been about six years ago. Uh, and she said she kind of struggled through it for like a couple of years until she went to see her ENT, her ENT doctor for some other reason and he was able to help her with that um so i was like please like the lady was australian and i was like please tell me this is a doctor that you saw in dubai (laughs) (laughs) and luckily it was um so she sent me his uh she sent me a link to his like profile on one of the hospitals and literally like that afternoon i rang up and i I booked an appointment to see him and he was he was really the one that helped helped me shift or um shift it all um so i sorry this is turning into a bit of a rambling um 
No, no, it's okay. Because I was going to uh, ask you that because you said you went to a neurologist, but I was going to ask you if Dubai has ENTs. I'm assuming they yeah. did. No, we, we did. I just, we didn't think to go and see. I mean, now it kind of all makes sense. It's balanced, so I really should have. Uh, but we, we, yeah, we didn't. And it wasn't until that, that friend said about this ENT guy. So I went to see him. He was very sympathetic to long COVID, which was one of the things I found with doctors. You had doctors that were accepting of the fact that long COVID is a thing. And then yeah. you had doctors that were just like, no, there's no such thing. So um, he was very sympathetic to that. I explained um, what my symptoms were. And I think at that point it was around about Christmas time. Um, so we did kind of this assessment. He kind of put me on this chair, very similar to like a dentist chair type thing. He did move me around in various ways. I guess to figure out what movements made things worse or I mean he said something about the crystals and he kind of he kind of explained it as a snow globe which I thought was a really interesting way so he said that I guess we've got hairs in our ears or something like that that move uniformly one way or another to kind of send a message to your brain that oh you know you're turning this way now or you're turning that way now but because of viral debris, whatever that is and whatever it looks like, I've no idea. But because of viral <laughs> debris, when I moved my head, instead of, you know, the hair uniformly moving together in rhythm and in synchronicity, my head was a snow globe. Um, so everything was going left, right, everywhere. So I couldn't quite. So it kind of that made kind of explained it in a way that I could understand what on earth was going on um and then we kind of basically did the treatment was um I think it's called the Apley maneuver but very uh, certain variations of it because I'd been doing the Apley maneuver from the start like every time before I go to bed and every time I woke up in the morning and it just didn't make things any better um so he um the first the first session we went into like was kind of like a physio room with like a physio bed thing um and i had to kind of sit up try and relax as much as possible and then literally he would put his hands on on my head and pull me down suddenly to the point where my head was hanging off the edge of the bed um oh, and then I'd have, and then i'd have to hang there for a bit and then he'd tell me right sit back up slowly and we would do that a few times and different variations and different angles and different speed. And then, um, and then I remember at one point he, he says to me, okay, sit up. How do you feel at the same time handing me a bucket to throw up? <laughs> Cause it was just like, it's just like you've picked everything that makes this worse and just done it to me. Okay. So now what I want you to do, I want you to go home and he said, for the next, like, 48 hours, I need you to stay as still as possible. Now, bearing in mind, we're coming up to Christmas, um, <laughs> and I've got three young kids. And he said, no, you need to stay as still as possible. And he said, tonight, you need to sleep, but sort of sitting up. <laughs> um, so, in other words, you're not sleeping. Um, so, we did that. And actually, 
two days later, I woke up and I didn't actually realize, I didn't notice a difference until I bent down to pick something up. And I, again, I bent down. I didn't, I didn't bend at the knees. I did my usual bend <laughs> at the hips, you know, not you know, very, very efficient. Um, but I did that and then came back up. Um, I was woozy, but a lot less than before. Like it was like, it was almost like a head rush rather than anything else. And I was like, oh, this is better. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was probably the first day when it was just like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, I didn't particularly enjoy the treatment, but at the same time, it seemed pretty simple that I thought, I wish I'd found out about this months ago. So we carried on with more of the vestibular treatment and stuff. Um I was able, after that first session, I was able to, to, to go out on my road bike. Um, the TT bike, the triathlon bike was still not really an option, but um, I was able to go out on my, on my road bike, which I was very happy with. And then I remember he sent me a message and he said, right, I want to see you on, on Christmas Eve. I was like, nope, I'm not having Christmas Day. <laughs> sat, <laughs> sat still. <laughs> um, so I actually, I went to see him again on New Year's Eve and it was a similar process, um, going through the same stuff again. This time there was an added bonus of um, he kept tapping the back of the kind of like kept tapping kind of behind my ear. Every time we did the movement, there was like a little tap. Um, I say a little tap. It wasn't particularly comfortable. Uh, and it was up um and then go home sit still uh sleep upright and just stay like that for a couple and yeah that pretty much after that is when i turned the corner with it all um so yeah after that it gradually started to get better i still kept doing the physio stuff and the osteopath exercises um, but I'd say by the end of Jan, it was pretty much gone. Um, so oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. So, that is really yeah. good. Yeah, because I, I know a lot of people with DPPV that have suffered with it for years with no relief. Um, they get a relief for like a few, but then it comes back with a vengeance and all that stuff. But that's yeah, that's really good. And I think the tapping that he was doing behind your ear is mm-hmm. a type of technique that they vibrate. There's a bone called the mastoid process. So they vibrate it and they say that if they hit it or tap it or create some type of vibration, it helps release the crystals that might be like stuck somewhere. Yeah. So they're able to move a lot better. So that's probably what he was doing. That's what, Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's what he said. So since then you have been symptom free, no symptoms at all? Um, Pretty much. I'd say, like I said, since January, I think I'm probably about 95% done with PV. I'm stuck as a... Um, I haven't shifted the asthma. That's still there. The headaches have subsided in frequency and intensity. Um, but I just have to, like my, from a long COVID perspective, my my body's just not quite responding to training as it used to. Um, so I find that if I, if I kind of maybe overdo it or push too much, um, I can have a good week where I train. And then I may end up with three or four days where I just want to, I can't. 
I sleep a lot and I rest, which is not like how I used to be. So I've had to, I've had to adjust how, how I train and uh, really focus almost my, the focus of my training, which sounds a bit odd, but the focus of my training is recovery and yeah. um, than the actual training. Um, but it's also because okay you've got long covid um i've got the asthma and but i i've also got i'm also dealing with nine months loss of fitness um and it's it's sometimes it's very hard to try and figure out okay where where does loss of fitness stop and you know post-covid issues start or you know or vice versa and it's a very fine line so it can be hard to say, okay, this is just loss of fitness, you know, suck it up and push through. Um, and you'll push through and you'll be, you'll be fine. And then you'll, you'll pay for it two days later and you're like, okay, maybe it wasn't loss of fitness. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been quite a learning curve. And I'm uh, like the one thing that the doctors have said and that it, it appears that long COVID um, like you have a very small, if you get COVID, it's a very small chance that you will develop long COVID. Um, but that percentage increases for pe- for athletes and active people, which is wholly unfair. Um, That's crazy. To, I don't want to overdo it. I do want to push myself and try and bring bring my fitness back where it was, but I don't want to push too much to the point where I might regress and dealing with the fatigue is one thing um but i i'm i don't want to have that those dizzy spells and that vertigo again it was just um it's just awful um so that that's probably the fatigue i could almost cope with um but i i don't i don't want that i mean like like you said you've seen the video of me coming out of the water yeah that was like oh my i even showed to my husband i'm like i should yeah. I showed it to my husband. I'm like, look, look, look at this woman. She's swimming <laughs> and, and she's coming out of the water sideways. He goes, oh, my God. He goes, I feel for you guys because um, he he was there for me like 24-7. And it was hard. It takes a physical toll because I was always tired. Yeah. Uh, it takes a emotional and mental toll as well because you get frustrated and you get in these thoughts that ah, it's never gonna get better. It it, it, it was yeah. hard. So, it going back into the fitness part, it, yeah, it it has been so hard. Like um, for me specifically, like I, I I have like I'm like ninety ninety percent better, um, in good days, but in bad days when I overdo it, I'm like extremely exhausted. Like I have to go lay down yeah. and and yeah. sleep and take a nap, which never never happened either. I've always been active my whole life. So that's when they know him, my husband, and our son knows. Um, okay, she's not feeling well today. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a massive change because it's it's challenging who who you know yourself to be, and and you're you kind of don't feel like that person anymore. And like, I remember the last thing I wanted people to say. I do I do get why they said it and stuff, but people just telling me, ah, oh, just take it easy. It's just your body's way of telling you to rest. And you're just like Yeah. And you're like, you're trying you're trying. You get I get that's I get why they say it's probably they don't know what else to say and whatever. But um, yeah. It's like if one more person tells me to take it easy, I'm gonna thump them. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I don't want to hear that. 
I am trying to take it easy here, guys. Um, but yeah, no, the I I did struggle. Like the whole, you know, like you just start to question. Like my my identity has always been tied into sport, and suddenly to not be able to do it and 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 in such a sudden way. Um, yeah, it's it's not you know the physical stuff is is one thing, um, but you know dealing with the you know the emotional stuff and the identity stuff, and then there's the um, like once I started being able to train again, there was this anxiety, and when I when I decided to race, um, or say I should rephrase, when I decided to take part in a race and not 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 be competitive, there's still that really nervous feeling of how is my body going to respond to this I'm like I don't I don't I don't trust my body in a way and the cues is giving me and it's it's a very unnerving and unsettling feeling um which is why when I eventually I think it was April yeah April was when I eventually managed to take part in a triathlon in a short distance one but actually race it um I remember just crossing the finish line and it was just nothing but tears. Like I didn't do particularly well. I was like way off my pace and all that, but I did race that, like I pushed the whole thing and it was like, okay, this feels good. I had to sleep a lot afterwards, but um, <laughs> I, I did it. And um, yeah, so it's just, it's trying to just take the little wins and, and try, it, it really is taking it one step at a time. But what you say about, the people around you make a big difference and it's it's also a very um i guess it's a bit of a helpless feeling to see someone they they know to be fairly active i guess suddenly that it's not who they you know it's not who they know and they don't know how to support them the reality is there's not a lot that my family could have done other than to just kind of literally just be but um, yeah, the the toll of it is can be pretty, um, well, not not just to us, but to those around us. Yeah, that's true. For for those who um, like, what would you tell those who are suffering with BPPV or or are in the process of rehabilitation or getting better or have tried everything across the sun or or anything like that, what would you tell them? Um, what would something um, positive that you would tell them about this condition? I, what I, they should do or something? I think that's, that's a hard, that's a hard <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> there is, I'd like to say, I know people who have struggled with it a lot longer than I have. So in that sense, I feel quite lucky. Um, um, I'd like to say there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um but I guess just um, kind of maybe don't don't give up and just try and if or whatever just doesn't um, I tell you what you want to hear, but um, they're a little bit rigid in what they want to do and, and stuff. Just go, just go and see. if you have the means to go and see somebody else um, or just explore it that little bit more. Just just go for it you've got nothing you've got nothing to lose you're not going to make it worse um and it might just make it better and even if it doesn't fully cure it it might 
it might just make it better. Um, yeah, and I think just, I, th I think the other thing I found with this, um, and this, I'd like to think what I'm about to say is a positive <laughs> thing. Um, it may not come out that way. Um, I think it's okay to also acknowledge um, when we're having a really bad day, um, this whole, you know, having to be positive all the time and, you know, seeing the good in everything and, you know, that's great. But it also, if you're having a really bad day, it's okay to say, you know what, this day sucks. Because <laughs> um, if, if you just try and be positive when the reality is you don't, you're not really feeling it, all you're doing is dismissing your feelings. And if someone says the same to you, so I think it's okay to have a bad day is what I'm saying. And it's okay to throw your toys out the pram and have a tantrum and a meltdown. Because um, it's, it's almost sometimes I kind of felt, and probably this is going to sound a little bit extreme, I was, I was kind of grieving in a way um for what I what I was and what my life was before before it and even though you could argue you know, there's far more there's far worse things in life mm -hmm. for me for me it was a big it was a big deal and just because there are far worse things in life it doesn't minimize what I'm going through for me um so I guess yeah if you're having a bad day and you want to have a meltdown go ahead and have it get it out your system and then get back up and and try again don't feel that you know you have to play it all down to a try and make yourself feel better or to try and make those around you feel better i think it's okay to acknowledge the bad days just as it's important to acknowledge the good days and and more than anything i guess if you are having a good day kind of celebrate the little celebrate the little wins even if it's going to follow with two backward steps you've taken a step forward so give yourself a pat on the back, I think, if that. It's another long rambling. <laughs> I'm <getting started. laughs> no, but it, but it's true. Like like you said, like not everybody has the positive attitude. Like having the positive attitude is great. But like you said, you have to acknowledge when you have a bad day, take time for yourself. Yeah. A lot of people, um, like you said, try to appease or make everybody around them feel better in regards of how they're feeling and try to mask or mask it, which sometimes yeah. takes 10 times more a toll Effect. emotionally towards you because you're like, yeah. why am I doing this? Exactly. Um, but it's, yeah. it's, it's a really, I think it's a really good, honest um, feeling that you should have. Or I yeah. think that's the best way you can tell somebody like, oh, look, celebrate the good days. But if you're having a bad day, acknowledge it as well. Don't just yeah. put a mask and keep going. Yeah. Take exactly. time for yourself. Yeah. That's, that's much more succinctly put than I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I understood. I understood. I think anybody uh, would understand what you were trying to say. Um, yeah. Because like I said, not everybody takes everything the same way. Yeah. No, that's um, cool. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you so much, Melina, for taking more, time. Um, taking time. I know that it's like eight hours ahead. So you're about to probably, what What time is it over there? Like almost nine o'clock? Um, it's. I'm hoping by the time I come out of my little room here. My children should be ready for bed. Um, uh, that's I'm saying that in a very hopeful way. Um, and it's just a case of, um, yeah, just getting all the stuff ready for school because we our weekend is Friday, Saturday. So tomorrow, 
it's the start of the week, so the kids are back at school, husband's back at work. Um, so, yeah, it's just getting ready for the week. We've only got three weeks of school left. Um, yeah. No, so that's <laughs> good. Yeah, normal grind starts. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you again, Melina, for taking the time and, and sharing your story with us. Um, I really do appreciate it. Um, a lot of people need to hear positive stories, um, that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, those who have been listening for the longest time, um, she does have an Instagram. I do have an Instagram. Um, this is obviously, this is a, this is a link for everybody to listen to. Um, you can follow me at the underscore spinning underscore chronicles where there I put um, little tidbits about vestibular disorders and share people experiences with these nasty disorders. Um, mm-hmm. Next week, yeah. we're going to have somebody else also with a BPPV, and her name is Jules. So I hope to keep posting positive stories. If you guys want to message me, more than welcome to. Um, and I hope to talk to you guys next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.